Well, several weekends ago, uh, my best friend came into town. He was the best man at my wedding uh, almost 17 years ago. And he comes into town once a year and we get to have this kind of reunion. And we always take him on a hike, which is interesting because he does not like to hike. Uh, but you see, my, my wife loves to hike and I love my wife. And so I go hiking with her, and, uh, but I'm not an avid hiker, but he's even less of one than I am. But we took him to Paestawa Peak, which I can tell by your response, you know, it's not an easy hike, right? I mean, it's like a Stairmaster in the sun for 45 minutes, okay? It's not an easy hike, but we're going up this trail and going up this hike. And, and I'll just be honest with you, my friend is struggling and it's visible, it's evident, right? And, and everybody, including us, are just kind of trying to encourage him. And the way we tried to encourage him was just telling him, hey, Marshall, we're almost there. We're almost there. I mean, it's just, it's just right around this corner. And people would come down from the mountain. They'd be like, hey, bro, you're almost there. You're almost there. And everybody knows that's not true. <laughs> I mean, not, not really almost. It's not like around this corner. You're just like, hey, just keep going, bud. You got this, right? You're just trying to encourage them. And so much so that he ended up calling it the Mount of Deceit. <laughs> Because, because he just, he had this illusion that just ahead of him was this relief and satisfaction and joy. It's just around that corner, just a little bit up this way. And I tell you that because I think that's how most of us interact with, with money. Right, we're almost there. It's just a little bit ahead. And it doesn't matter whether you have a little bit of money or a lot of money. It just, if I had a little bit more, if we could just get around this corner with our finances, there would be some relief. There would be some satisfaction. There would be some joy. And yet we know if we really think about it, it doesn't work that way. Uh, this week, I just Googled money and celebrities, which is interesting, <laughs> Because I didn't find like these headlines full of joy, meaning, and impact. No, I found these headlines full of scams, scandals, and the severing of relationships. And these are people with not just a little bit more, a lot more. And it's not bringing joy or relief or security or impact. And so we have to find a different way. And by God's grace, he gives us a different way. And we find it a lot of times in the book of Proverbs. We find this path of not folly that says, hey, just a little bit more and I'll find peace and security and fulfillment. No, we find a path of, of wisdom. And we see that the, the remedy with our issues with money is generosity. And that God lays out a wise path, a life full of life and blessing and impact for you, yes, but also other people around you. And this is where we're meant to walk and live. And yet I know so many of us, as I even bring up money in the church, you're filled with, with guilt and shame because you know you're not where you need to be with your finances. And it doesn't feel like life and blessing and wisdom. It just feels like folly and insecurity and shame. So listen, what if you could take this path of wisdom and life, it's still available to you. It's still accessible to you. And so we want to look at the book of Proverbs and see how, how do we get there? And so I'm going to take you to several different Proverbs. If you take notes, I'm going to give you three principles and then I'm going to give you three practices and we're going to go really quick, but, but three principles of like, how does God teach wisdom and generosity? And then three practices. What does that look like practically in our lives? What steps can we take 
today. So if you take notes, here's our first principle. It's this. Generosity isn't separate from worship. It's essential to worship. Generosity isn't separate from worship. It's essential to worship. Look at Proverbs 19, 17 with me. It says this, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. I love how the message version puts it. It says, mercy to the needy is a loan to God and God pays back those loans in full. What it's saying is that when you give, to others, to the poor in the church, when you give to others horizontally, you're actually giving vertically to God. It's all connected. We see the same thing in Proverbs 14, verse 31. It says it this way, whoever oppresses a poor man insults, notice not the man himself, but he insults his maker. But he who is generous to the needy honors him, honors God. You see, the reality is this. What we see in the Bible is generosity isn't just about good works to others. It's about worship unto God, that they're connected at the hip. That worship is not just songs we sing in a church house. Worship is how we live our lives with the needy around us and the poor around us and our wallets and in many of us, we, we like to separate our wallets from our worship, right? Some of you right now are thinking, Tim, really, Mother's Day? And you're going to do the money sermon? Like, I mean, can we just go to brunch and like wait in line? <laughs> like, I would rather do that than talk about money in church. And I think many of us, we, we have that view and we tend to separate our wallets from our worship because of a couple things, is when we think about money and generosity, specifically when it's talked about in the church, we either think about greed or we think about guilt. Some of us, we think about greed. And right now, some of us, we can picture that TV evangelist who's saying, hey, give to the children as he flies off in his private jet. We think, man, money and generosity in the church is really just about greed. And I don't like that. Or we think about guilt. And as soon as I start talking about money and generosity, you start thinking about the time you spend on Amazon. And you're like, but and right now you're wrestling in your heart. You're like, but it's so quick and fun. And they have so many great deals and so many things I, I need. And yeah, but I, I know like I should give it away. I know there's people who are in great need uh, are on the street corner that I should give it to. And I don't, I just bypass them. But man, I go to Amazon all the time. And some of us, we just, we feel this overwhelming sense of guilt. And it's interesting that we feel that way. Because as you look at the Bible, it couldn't be further from the truth. As we look at the Bible, money and generosity, it's not about greed, it's not about guilt, it's about grace. That in 2 Corinthians 8, the Apostle Paul, He talks about giving as an act of grace multiple times. And he's not just pulling that out. Like he's not just trying to be cute with his phrasing. He's not just trying to be positive and put a positive spin on money. No, this is rooted in the grace of Jesus Christ. Uh, Look at the screen with me. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. Here's here's the way it says it. It's for, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake, he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. You need to know in Christ, before you ever give anything, you first receive 
everything. That in Christ, this is where we all should start. It's not that we should start with like, I should probably give, or I guess you're supposed to give. No, it's like, don't even start with give. Start with receiving. That God gave you everything in Jesus. That he gave you adoption into his family. That he gave you forgiveness and freedom by his blood. That he gives you hope and security in the Holy Spirit. That you have the world in checkmate if you are in Christ. That, that nothing can happen to you that will remove the Holy Spirit of God from your life if you know Jesus. That's the most incredible, eternal, weighty gift you can ever imagine. And that gift was given to you as a gift. You can't pay for it, not by your merit, not by your resume, not by your religion, not by your money. It's given freely through Jesus Christ. Amen, this is the gospel. So we, we have to reframe generosity. It's not about greed or guilt. It is rooted in grace. You need to hear today that God could have chosen just to say, I am almighty God. And I, I demand that you give to me. I demand that you give to others. And he could have played on your will. Or he could have played on your emotions and just talked about the, the romantic ways that we, we give and help other people. And look at all these kids. They don't have water. And we could just play on emotions. But God does neither one of those. He says, let's go back to the source, Jesus Christ. And let's first receive what he has given to us. Let's first embrace his generosity. And then let's start to extend that generosity to others. Right? That's how it works. I was talking with a group of pastors just this week. I'm in this preaching course with these other pastors. And we're just trying to continue to grow in our, our craft of preaching. And I brought up this, this title of generosity that I'm preaching on this Sunday. And I just said, hey, what does this look like for you guys? It's a little bit tricky, you know, to teach on generosity in the church. Is there a certain series or, or season that you do this in? And we all just stopped and we really just talked about the gospel. And we just said, you know what? If you actually preach the gospel, you will preach generosity. You think about this? Like what's the most foundational element of the gospel? What's the most foundational verse in our Bibles? Tim Tebow put it in his eye black. <laughs> it's John 3.16. What does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world he gave. If you just talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, you'll talk about generosity. In fact, it's impossible to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and not talk about generosity. It's impossible to separate your wallet from your worship. They're tied together because of who God is and his very character and his nature and his person and his work. And so, man, we got to stop separating those two out. And we got to start getting more comfortable with talking about this in the church because God's set it up this way. And so listen, what happens when we try to separate worship and wallet? What happens when we try to separate this, this concept of God is a generous God, so we should be generous people. What happens when we separate those two things out? Well, it doesn't go well. And I'm going to give you that in our next point. Here's our second point. A life void of generosity is a life full of folly. A life void of generosity is a life full of folly. If you think about it, if God set up this whole world to function this way, 
that he's a generous God, that we should be generous people. That's the path that we walk on if we're going to walk wisely with our money and resources. If we don't walk down that path, we will walk down a path of folly and death with our money and resources. And some of us, we hear that and we say, no, 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 Tim, like I may not be the most generous person, but man, I'm not stingy and controlling or malicious or careless with my money either. And what I would say is you may not be, but you are on a path towards that end because that's what Proverbs sets it up. There's two paths and you got to make a choice. Which path? Wisdom or folly, generosity or control and fear and selfishness. There's only two paths. Which path are you on? You see, when we go down this path of folly, like it's very, it's very subtle, but it can also be very serious. And we see both represented in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 23, four through five says it this way. It says, do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it's gone. This is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. For suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. How many of you know that's true? How many of you, you got paid on the 15th and then on the 18th, you're like, where'd all the money go? It sprouted wings and flew away. Like the Proverbs is true to life. Man, how many of you know, like tax season. Like some of you, you're like, I'm going to make more money. And then that relief and security and comfort's coming. And then tax season came. And you realize the more money you make, the more money you give to the government. Anybody with me this morning? Like you can try to keep it all yourself, but it's going to go away. It's going to sprout wings and fly away. How many of you know the saying, you, you never see a U-Haul behind a hearse? I don't know why you have to say that with a Texas accent, but it just works better, right? You, eventually, it's going to sprout wings and go away. And so if your foundation is, I'm going to acquire wealth for myself, that's a bad foundation. That's a fleeting foundation, and we see this all the time in our own lives. We see this in, in serious ways. Uh, look at Proverbs 1, 11 through 13. This is a group of people who are getting together, and here's what they're saying. Come with us. Let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like shale, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods, and we shall fill our houses with plunder. These are people who are willing to kill for money and possessions, that money can make you crazy. And some of you would say, well, Tim, I would never kill anybody over money. And yet I would ask you, how many times has money killed your relationships? Maybe even in subtle ways. Maybe it didn't start out there, but just in subtle ways, you just started finding yourself walking down this path of folly. And it's hurting your marriage. It's hurting your relationship with your kids. It's, it's hurting your, your witness at work. But it, it didn't start that way. Again, Proverbs, you got to see it's a path. It's little steps that take you down a path. It's little decisions that determine your destiny. Listen, some of you, man, you, you started just, I'm going to work a little bit more in this season. Like, it's just, I, we got some goals we want to accomplish as a family, and we want to expand the house. And it just started that. Like, that's all it is. 
and they just started down a path. And you started putting your career ahead of your family. And you started working 60 to 70 to 80 hours a week to the neglect of your family. And you got that more square footage. Your house is bigger, but somehow it's, it's more empty because you're hardly ever there. And when you are there, man, it's not filled with joy and blessing and meaning. No, it's filled with stress and, and conflict. But it, it started out, oh, it's just the season. Oh, it's just this, this project. How many of you, you started out with just like, hey, I'm gonna get these apps on my phone because they're gonna tell me how to get the good deals. I'm just gonna watch social media, not out of envy. I would never do that, Tim. But just, to, I just wanna keep up with the latest trends. And then before you know it, you are on Amazon all the time or whatever app that you use and you're buying things that you don't really need and it's frivolous and you are in a, a mountain of debt and garage sales where, where you put out all your regret on the curb for everybody to see. But it, it didn't start that way. Well, no, but you, you started on a path and that path leads you to, to folly. It leads to destruction of your relationships, of your joy, of your meaning, of your impact. And some of you, you're not on uh, that side of the spectrum. You're on this other side of the spectrum where, hey, you're fearful of any of that kind of stuff happening. And so you just said, hey, what I'm going to do with my money, I'm just going to keep it all to myself. I'm just going to hoard it. I'm just going to save it. And it, like, that's a good intention, right? You should save your money, but it just became your obsession and it's your way of control and it's your form of security. And, and you may have an abundance, but you have an abundance that's lack of, that has a lack of dependence on Jesus. And now you are your God functionally and practically in your life. Man, you don't have time and space for fun or family or friendships because those things require money. And you're like, I gotta, I gotta keep isolated. I gotta keep it all to myself. See, which one is it for you? This affects all of us. All of us have a bias toward folly, not toward wisdom because of our sinful nature with money. And God wants for you to save you from the pain of that folly and to give you a better purpose with money. And it's called generosity. See, money is like water. Money can be like a tsunami. You can be careless with it and it can destroy everybody in your path. Or money can be like a rancid pond where you say, I just got to get mine just a little bit more. I just need a little bit. You should probably tithe 10%. You should probably give to the poor. You should probably be generous. No, just, well, one day we will. But just for a little bit more, we just need to kind of get our things tight and get our, our lives the way we want it. And you know, eventually it's like a rancid pond. And biblically, wisely, money's not to be either one of those things. It's meant to be like a river it's, it's flowing in you, yes, but it's also flowing through you to others for the glory of God and the good of others. And it's multiplying impact and it's bringing that joy and, and blessing. That's God's design for money. That's the wise path with money. The remedy is generosity. And that brings us to our last point. Our last point is generosity isn't subtraction, it's multiplication. See, many of us, we're, we're reluctant to be generous 
Because we do think it's just gonna take away from my life. It's just gonna subtract. I'm gonna look at my bank account and I'm gonna see some, some red numbers with a minus sign. And it's just gonna subtract from my life. And Tim, I don't know if you know this, like gas prices are not good and inflation is horrible, and it is tax season. And like, I already got enough of those red numbers and minus signs. I don't need just another one in my life. And we view giving and generosity as subtraction. And yet biblically, it tells us it's multiplication. There were several verses I had for this, but for time, I just had to pick one. Here's one, Proverbs eleven twenty four. 24. It says this, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Remember Proverbs 19, verse 17, give to the poor, you're really giving to God. But it doesn't stop there. It says that's a loan that God fully repays. See, when, you, when you're generous, you're, you're falling in line. You're falling in line with the path that the creator of money gave it. And when you fall in line with God's design, there is blessing, there is impact, there is multiplication, not subtraction. Now, I wanna be clear today. Some of us, we get nervous when we, we think about this because we think about, again, the, something on TV of like you buy this little thing of oil and you buy it for $500 because it came from some exotic place in the world. And you know what, if you buy it for $500, you'll get back $5,000. To which I always ask, why don't we flip that? I'll go get some olive oil and I'll send it to you, TV evangelist. You give me $500 and we'll just see what happens, right? Anybody else want to try that? Well, why don't we just see if it works the opposite way, right? That's not what he's talking about. It's not give and you will get rich. But it is this, it's a principle. This is Proverbs, it's principles. If you are generous, you're following in line with the way God designed the world to function. And if you live that way, God will bless you and God will take care of you. You know why? Because he's good. And because he has a better plan for your money than you could ever have. And he can be trusted with your money more than you can, amen? And so let's go down that path of, of wisdom and let's see our impact multiplied. Listen, I'm not just telling you this like because I'm supposed to say this. Like I've seen this in my life. I've seen this in our church. There, there's a guy I know. He was here for a spring break with First Baptist Church Amarillo. His name's David Nance. And he's just this generous man. And he's not generous because he's a billionaire. He's a drywall contractor in Amarillo, Texas. But at some point in his life, he received the generosity given to him through Jesus. And he just said, hey, I want that to extend out of me. And so he's a generous person, so much so that he will tell me often, Tim, do not rob me of my gift. He gets a little stern about it. Like, do, do not rob me of my gift. God has given me the gift of generosity. And if I don't ask him for things, I'm robbing him. You love friends like that, amen? Like, okay, I will not rob you. Please give me things, you know, like, I don't even know what to do with that because that's so radically different from our culture. 
right? But he's just like, I don't know, like God's been generous with me. I don't wanna just embrace that. I wanna extend that. And he loves it. He gets the joy. He gets the blessing, right? That's the way it works. It's not subtraction, it's multiplication. He's one of the most joyful people I know. How is that possible? God, God set it up this way. I've seen it. I've seen it in our church. I've seen it through our Easter offering. Some of you, you just came on Easter and we gave away $33,000 to Uganda and the Gem Foundation. Kids who have some of the most severe special needs. They're caring for those kids physically, but they're also trying to care for the, the families and the community spiritually. So they're trying to plant a church. Listen, Easter, I don't know if you know this, it's like one of the most popular times to come to church. We got the most people in this room. And if we were just thinking savvy about this and like the world, we would just say, let's pass that plate. Let's just bring it all in on that day. And we just made a decision year two of our church. uh, We're gonna flip that on its side. And on Easter, you know what? We're gonna give all the money away. And you know, there's been many times where I'm like, I don't know if that's the best idea. Uh, and maybe that doesn't seem like it now, like, cause we got a lot of people, a lot of resources in this room, but there was a time in year two of our church, we had none of that. We had about 80 people. We met in a school. I locked the doors and I unlocked the doors as the lead pastor of the church. We didn't have a lot in the bank account, but I just, I just heard God saying, man, you need to, you need to give to those in need. And then I said back to God, just to be honest with you in year two of our church, Hey, we are the ones in need. Yes. Like give to us. But God just said, no, no, you need to give to others. And you don't need to wait one day till you have an abundance to be having a dependence on me. No, you need to give now, be generous now, because this is the way I've wired it. And so every single year, I get super nervous as your lead pastor. And every single year, God shows up. And we get to bless and we get to multiply the impact of Easter. It's not just one day. Don't you love that? It's not just one day. It ripples out for days and years and eternity. Because we we give. And I love, it's one of my favorite things we get to do as a church. And that's, that's what we want to be. And I can also tell you, like, we're still, we do that and we're still here. And like every April, usually Easter hits in April, every year, like, I think like, man, our, it's going to be so bad. Like every April is going to like the net, it's going to be terrible. And sometimes it is, and sometimes it's not. But I can tell you over the course of years, since we made the decision to do this, our church has grown in our budget every single year. And that's the way we're always going to roll. And if, if God doesn't show up, we're going to keep rolling that way. And we're going to trust him, not ourselves with our money. That's the way we do it with our, our missions and our, our local missions as a church. I can't give you everything this morning, but this year alone, we are going to give $86,000 away. Like when you give to Phoenix Bible Church, just to the general fund, that $86,000 at least is going to go out from this place to the needy, to, to those in the Congo is one of our partners, to those in the Ukraine, to those in Costa Rica, to those right here down the street at Phoenix Rescue Mission and Hope Women's Center and Bridge to Hope. Like your money, as you give, as you are generous with our church, we're going to multiply that out. And it is making an impact. Just one story real quick, Bridge to Hope. 
Uh, it's, this, it's this organization that helps women coming out of addiction and just helps them with basic needs and, and meets with them and, and takes them dinner and takes them to church. And listen, it's making an impact. We just dedicated one of the children and one of those moms was from Bridge to Hope this morning. She's standing up here, amen. She's standing up here. Yeah, people have met my physical needs. People have met my emotional needs and they've met my spiritual needs. And now I wanna do that for my next generation. It's changing legacies. And just so you know, like I asked, could we share her story? And she said, absolutely, you can share my name. I'm not gonna do that, that's a little too much. But just, I, she's so blessed by this, it's making an impact. Does generosity subtract? No, it multiplies. And so how do we get there? Three quick things as we close. Here's the first thing, three practices. The first thing is pursue wisdom more than you pursue money. Listen, money is not bad. The Proverbs will talk about, hey, work hard, don't be lazy. Money is not bad. It's not bad to have money, but it is bad 100% of the time when money has you. Pursue wisdom. Like work hard, go get yours, but pursue wisdom over and above that. Get some people in this church who have lived a little bit more life than you. Join a community group and say, hey, can you just walk me through your successes and failures of how you've dealt with money? And some of you are thinking, you can't do that in church, Tim. You should be able to if we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. We should be able to talk about our successes and our failures in all areas of life, including our money, because we're a church family, amen? So we should help each other and save each other from unnecessary pain and pursue wisdom more than we pursue money. Go listen to a podcast, Dave Ramsey or some other podcast. Next week, we're gonna give you a little book on money to read for the summer. Pursue wisdom over and above how you pursue money. Second thing is trust God with your wallet, not just your words. Some of you may say, well, Tim, are you trying to get me to tithe? Is, this, is that the whole point of this? Like 10% of my money, you're trying to get me to give that to the church? And I would say, yes. <laughs> but that's a baseline. What I'm trying to get you to do as your pastor is to trust God with everything. Some of us, you weren't up here today dedicating your child, but you were at one point. And the reality is you've dedicated your child, but you never dedicated your wallet. And you look at the, the spectrum of being a disciple of Jesus, and you look at a lot of things, but your wallet and your money, it doesn't even make the list. Something's off with that. What I would ask is, do you, do you trust God? Do you trust God with your kids? Do you trust God with your, your life? Can you trust him with your wallet? The answer is yes. <laughs> I trust God. Man, as your like we have seven marks of a disciple that we want for you. And one of those is generous stewardship. Not because I want something from you, but because I want something for you. I want you to trust God and not yourself and not your bank account and not the market. And all that stuff will ebb and flow. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Trust him. Here's the last thing. Don't start with giving, start with receiving and let receiving shape your giving. And don't leave this place today and say, okay, I got to white knuckle this thing and I got to figure this out and we're going to find a guy. We're going to find a guy on the street corner today and we're going to just write him a check because I'm supposed to, because the pastor made me feel guilty. 
That's not the gospel of grace. Like it's bigger than that. It's no first, just think about. I, I know we come to church a lot, been to a lot of Mother's Day services. Just think about for a moment, how much you've been given in Jesus Christ. Forgiveness, adoption, blessing, eternity, no more shame, freely given. You can't pay for it even if you tried. And if you're in Christ, you have first received that. And I don't know how you can focus on that and not give. Amen? Start there. If you think you've messed up too badly in this, man, just look at one story, like the story of Zacchaeus. You know Zacchaeus, the tax collector, who wasn't just a tax collector, like it was his job. Like he was just a shady guy. He would, he would take some off the top and get it for himself. He was a selfish guy. Some of you know the story. Zacchaeus is up in a tree because he was a wee little man. <laughs> and he's up in that tree and Jesus, he goes to him. Don't you just love that? He goes to him. And, and you know the story, right? He goes to him and he says, Zacchaeus, you come down because I got some people with some things to say to you. I got some people with some rocks to throw at you. Is that the story of Zacchaeus? So we're like, I didn't read that one, Pastor Tim. We're like, where is that? Because that's not the story. What does he do? He says, you come down. Let's go to dinner at your house. And there's grace for you. You messed up your finances. You're thinking, man, you don't even want to see my bank account. I haven't been generous. I haven't written a check for somebody else's good in so long. There's grace for you. Jesus says, hey, I'm coming after you too. I actually want to redeem your life today. There's still hope for you. But I love the story of Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus, he encounters the grace of Jesus. And Jesus doesn't tell him, now you go give back to everybody else. No, Zacchaeus is just like, how could I not? And how could I multiply it times four? Because of so much you have given to me, this is where it is. This is how we respond. This is how we walk in wisdom and life and blessing and meaning and impact for all of eternity with our money and resources. This is why I can talk about money on Mother's Day. <laughs> Because it's that good. God is that good. Amen? Amen. God, thank you for the way you have given us a path with our money and our resources. God, I just know right now that there's people watching online, there's people in this room who just feel like they've made a mess of their money. And God, I just pray that you would help them to know by the grace of Jesus Christ that it's not too late they're not too far gone to be changed themselves, to be radically redeemed in the area of money and finances. But not just themselves, God, that they have the ability to see that bring a change through them, around them. God, I pray for Phoenix Bible Church. I pray as we, as we uh, on this Mother's Day, think about how moms have been so generous to us, we'd follow their lead and we'd be generous. And, and we just would at least tell you, God, maybe that's our place to start uh, as, as we have prayer team on my right and left this morning, that we would just come down and just pray uh, with some other people and pray to you and just tell you, God, I, I want to be generous. I haven't been. I, I, I repent of that. Forgive me of that. 
but I want to be generous. As you have been generous with me, God, help me. What if we just started there? God, I pray that you would you would take that, you would multiply that for your glory, for our good, for the good of our city, that we might be as Phoenix Bible Church, a church that's about kingdom impact through our time, talent, and our treasure. So much that our community, if we were gone, they would notice that we would reflect a generous God as generous people in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.